On June 25, 1836, five schoolboys hiked up Arthur's Seat, a hill overlooking Edinburgh, Scotland. They were rabbit hunting, but it had been a slow day so far. Just as the boys stopped to rest, one of their hunting dogs barked and yanked on his leash. He pointed his nose toward a rocky cliff on the side of the hill. The students assumed the dog had smelled a rabbit hole. Hoping to find the burrow, one of the boys, who we'll call John, scrambled up the steep slope on his hands and knees. At one point, he put his hand down on a loose piece of slate shaped like an arrowhead. John hardly noticed, until the slate gave way beneath him. John lost his footing and slid down the cliffside. He scrambled, desperate to find a foothold. Finally, he managed to stop himself. But even this accident couldn't deter him from reaching the top. John climbed back up to the broken slate and discovered why the dog had barked. A small cave, no larger than his head, beckoned from the side of the hill. John peered inside. It was dark, but he could just make out something hidden in the cavern. He reached in, and his fingers wrapped around a hard object. He pulled his hand out and screamed. He'd grabbed a small wooden coffin. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our first episode on the miniature coffins of Arthur's Seat. In 1836, a group of students discovered 17 tiny coffins in a cave outside of Edinburgh, Scotland. No one knew who put them there or why. Today, we'll meet multiple archaeological teams who examined the caskets in the 19th and 20th centuries. Even as they answered questions about the artifacts, they uncovered more mysteries. Next time, we'll discuss the different explanations about the casket's origins. Some believe they were made by witches, sailors, or revolutionaries. Or perhaps they were a memorial to the victims of two serial murderers. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. 
the luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. According to ancient stories, ghosts haunt Scotland's Edinburgh Castle. Fairies reputedly fly through the Black Coolin Mountains, and a massive dinosaur named Nessie is said to dwell beneath the waves of Loch Ness. If that wasn't enough, Scotland's national animal is the unicorn. But no place better encapsulates Scotland's magical folklore than Arthur's Seat. Just southeast of Edinburgh lie a group of rocky hills called Holyrood Park. Their tallest peak rises over 800 feet in the air and is known as Arthur's Seat. Every year, thousands of people hike up its rugged terrain for a spectacular view of Scotland's capital. But Arthur's Seat wasn't always the landmark it is today. Just like the rest of Scotland, it has a deep and magical history. Early settlers spread stories about the peak's formation. Some believed that thousands of years ago, a greedy and terrible dragon terrorized Edinburgh. To stop the beast, townspeople offered food as tribute. The dragon devoured so much that he fell asleep on a hill outside the city. He slumbered there forever until he turned into Arthur's seat. But a different tale might have actually given the mountain its name. Some believe an iconic fortress called Camelot was built on the hilltop. There, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table defended Britain from invaders and searched for the Holy Grail. Other myths inspired people to mount mystical missions across the unforgiving terrain. One legend said that those who washed themselves in the hill's springs would look beautiful forever. For centuries, women flocked to scrub their faces and restore their youth. More recently, a concrete altar and pagan plaque were discovered near Arthur's seat. Locals worried these could be remnants from an occult ceremony. People had long believed the hill was home to spirits, so perhaps someone had offered a sacrifice to these mystical creatures. Even with all the mythology surrounding Arthur's seat, no story captured the Scottish imagination quite like that of the miniature coffins. On June 25, 1836, five young schoolboys uncovered the artifacts that would become one of the region's greatest mysteries. Accompanied by their loyal dogs, the boys hiked up Arthur's seat to hunt for rabbits. As the day wore on, they journeyed further from the city and deeper into the hills. Eventually, the students stopped to rest until one of their dogs barked at a nearby hill. The boys assumed he'd smelled a rabbit but there were no signs of burrows nearby. John volunteered to scale the cliff and find out what had startled their hound. He found three arrow-shaped pieces of slate partially blocking a small, dark cave. He loosened the rocks and tossed them out of the way. Reaching inside the cavern, he pulled out a tiny wooden coffin, then another, and another. As he dug, John discovered 17 caskets in total. 
The cavern was like a tiny graveyard. Unnerved, he couldn't help but scream. The other boys scurried over, eager to see what their friend had found. They all stared wide-eyed at the strange tomb. Each coffin was a little smaller than a boy's hand. They were arranged in three rows, eight in the bottom of the cave, eight in the middle, and one on the very top. The boys' hearts pounded. They were alone on Arthur's seat. There were no adults, no teachers, and no chance of a quick retreat back to the city. They'd all been raised on Scottish legends, stories of evil spirits and temperamental fairies. Perhaps they were looking at a pixie graveyard. If that were the case, they were all but doomed. Fairies were spiteful creatures, and the boys were sitting ducks. Just as terror threatened to overtake them, one boy laughed. To cut the tension, he picked up a casket and tossed it to his friend. The other boy didn't want to touch a potentially cursed object, so he threw it right back. Soon enough, this devolved into a macabre game of catch. The coffins flew through the air, and then one slipped through a boy's hands. It shattered on the rocks. John glared at the splintered wood while a pit formed in his stomach. He was already scared of the coffins, but now he was truly terrified. His careless friends could have cursed the whole city of Edinburgh. He begged the other boys to stop. They dropped the coffins, breaking more, and then stared at the shattered remains. All the fun had drained out of the air. They had to right their wrongs as quickly as possible. Eight coffins were still intact. Working fast, the boys returned them to the cave. They arranged the crypt just as they had found it with the caskets stacked in three tiers. Then they gathered their possessions and fled Arthur's seat. They hoped that if they kept the secret, they wouldn't cause any more trouble. But the next day, John's guilt overwhelmed him. He asked for a word with his teacher, Mr. Ferguson, and confessed what he and his friends had done. The schoolmaster's eyes lit up. Ferguson wasn't just a teacher. He was also a member of the local archaeological society. The coffins intrigued him, and he asked John to bring them to school so he could examine them. So John traveled back to Arthur's seat, this time alone. He retraced his steps up the mountain. After searching for what felt like hours, John found the cliff. The cave stood dark and foreboding. He climbed up and peered inside. The eight surviving coffins were still there. For a moment, the boy considered leaving them undisturbed. Maybe by returning the caskets to their burial place, he and his friends had escaped the fairy's vengeance. Removing them again could bring disaster. But John took a breath and gathered his courage. He reached inside and hastily swept the caskets into a sack. Then he dashed off the cliff and never looked back. The next day, he delivered the coffins to his teacher. Now, Ferguson bore the responsibility for the artifacts. He might unlock the secrets the caskets held, or unleash a horrid curse. Coming up, Ferguson examines the coffins. Since the beginning of time, people have wanted to believe 
in an afterlife. Hi, listeners. I'm Shelby Scott. In Mediums, a new Spotify original from Parcast, I take a closer look at the mortal lives of spiritualists who claim to communicate with the dead and the scientists who tried to debunk them. This eight-episode series looks at paranormal events proven to be hoaxes and those which have mystified even the world's greatest skeptics. Mixing history, mystery, and social psychology, Mediums asks how these self-proclaimed psychics pulled off the illusion of interacting with the dead, even under a microscope of criticism. Were they all simply peddling parlor tricks, or was there something truly paranormal going on? Break out your Ouija board, dust off your crystal ball, or light some candles, because Parcast is ready to reveal what's really known about the unknown. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast, Mediums, Summon new episodes every Wednesday, free and only on Spotify. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Now back to the story. In June 1836, a group of schoolboys from Edinburgh, Scotland, discovered 17 miniature coffins inside a cave on Arthur's seat. After they broke about half of the artifacts, John brought the remainder to his teacher, a member of the local archaeological society named Mr. Ferguson. That evening, while rain poured, Ferguson arranged the coffins on his kitchen table. He lit candles to illuminate his workspace and held the wooden caskets up to the light. The ones from the bottom of the cave were rotten and covered in fungus. It seemed like they'd been buried for a long time, maybe hundreds of years. In contrast, the caskets from the second row were only slightly decayed. This suggested someone had hidden them more recently. And the casket from the top row wasn't decomposed at all. Ferguson surmised that it must have been the last coffin put in the cave, It looked so pristine, it could have only been a few days old. There were other differences between each artifact. Pins and wire sprigs held all the lids down. The decoration was intricate and detailed. Each casket had its own unique artwork. The coffins and their finishings had all been created with care. They clearly weren't supposed to be child's toys. There was something special, something almost reverent about them. But Ferguson didn't know what their significance was. The outside of the caskets didn't offer much in the way of answers. But there was one place he had yet to explore. The interior of the strange boxes. He retrieved a knife from his cupboard and returned to the kitchen table. Then he grabbed one coffin and slid the blade between its lid and its base. He pushed the knife upwards, loosening the brass pins millimeter by millimeter. Finally, the lid popped off. Ferguson's face turned white as a sheet. He dropped the casket, letting it clatter onto the table. Two little eyes stared up at him. There was a body inside the coffin. 
After his initial shock, Ferguson inspected the supposed corpse a little more closely. He realized the casket didn't contain a dead body, but a handmade wooden doll. He pried open the others. Each contained its own tiny figure. The discovery was chilling, but it didn't bring Ferguson any closer to solving the mystery. He didn't know who'd buried the coffins, when they were hidden, and perhaps most importantly, why they'd been created in the first place. Ferguson needed help. So at the next Archaeological Society meeting, he presented the artifacts to his colleagues. They conducted the first official analysis of the coffins. Every casket measured three to four inches long, about the size of an adult's finger. Each was carved from a single piece of wood. Just as Ferguson had observed, someone had nailed several pieces of tin to every coffin's exterior. The Archaeological Society concluded that this was ornamental decoration, but they couldn't determine its origin. The dolls were also carved from wood. Each had opened eyes, a nose, and a mouth. But no two faces were identical. This suggested that someone had intended for the wooden figures to represent specific individuals, especially because each one wore a unique, tailored outfit as well. Every figure rested on a lining made of either cotton or silk. This reflected Scottish burial rites, specifically the use of funeral garments and coffin beds. But beyond that, the archaeological society couldn't determine anything about the coffins. They still didn't know who made them or why, or how they'd ended up buried on Arthur's seat. Naturally, the mystery made for a great story, especially once journalists caught wind of it. In 1836, the story of the miniature coffins began to spread. Scottish newspapers circulated reports around the country. The tale traveled as far as New York City. Every paper had a different explanation for them. One article attributed the wooden figures to witchcraft. Perhaps a Scottish sorceress had used the figurines as voodoo dolls. Another publication said that sailors' wives might have created the coffins to commemorate their deceased husbands. Maybe the crypt was some kind of homage to men who'd been lost at sea. After all, the 17 figures were dressed in traditionally male clothing. And a strange clue laid in an account that appeared in the Scottish newspaper, The Scotsman. Reportedly, a man dubbed Mr. B had tended his Edinburgh shop one evening in 1836. Most nights, a man who was deaf and mute visited Mr. B to beg for money. The article doesn't specify the visitor's name, but we'll call him Malcolm. Usually, Mr. B gave Malcolm a few loose coppers, and he went away. But this night, he didn't come for cash. Instead, Malcolm entered Mr. B's office and signaled for a piece of paper and a pencil. Mr. B handed the items over. Malcolm drew three coffins. He wrote a different year under each sketch. 1837, 1838, and 1840. Then, he handed the paper to Mr. B and promptly left the shop. Those years would prove significant for Mr. B. In 1837, one of his close relatives died. In 1838, his cousin passed away. In 1840, he lost his brother as well. 
The dates perfectly matched those that Malcolm had written down. After his brother's funeral in 1840, Mr. B returned to his shop. He sat in his chair, grieving the loss. When he looked up, he saw Malcolm standing in the doorway. He didn't speak. He merely glared at the shop owner, then turned and left, disappearing into the night. Mr. B never saw him again. When Mr. B's story went public, many people assumed the strange drawing had something to do with the Arthur's Seat coffins. Perhaps Malcolm had crafted the caskets and wooden bodies. When the boys stole the figures from their resting place, he could have been enraged. Then he exacted revenge on the whole city of Edinburgh, beginning with Mr. B. It's unclear how much truth there actually is to this tale. Few people were qualified to investigate the account or its connection to the caskets. As famous as the coffins were, only a handful of people had ever seen them in person. But that changed in the late 1830s. For whatever reason, Ferguson and the Archaeological Society gave the caskets to a local jeweler. He displayed the collection in the front window of his shop. People flocked from all over Scotland and the world to marvel at the tiny coffins. Nine years later, in 1845, the jeweler auctioned off the artifacts for just four pounds. Today, that would be less than 700 U.S. dollars. It's unclear who bought the artifacts. And after the sale, the coffins disappeared for over 50 years. It seemed that they were lost forever, until the beginning of the 20th century. Out of nowhere, a collector came forward and claimed she owned the eight surviving coffins and their entombed figures. In 1901, she donated them to the National Museum of Scotland, where an analysis verified her claims. They really were the original coffins, so the National Museum put them on exhibit. The artifacts remained there throughout the 20th century. During that time, countless tourists saw the tiny caskets and wondered about their origins. But no new explanations surfaced. With no leads and no research being conducted, it seemed as though the coffins would remain a mystery until 1994. That year, the museum granted two researchers permission to analyze the coffins. Using modern technology, they made the first breakthrough in over 150 years. Coming up, New analysis provides clues about the Arthur's Seat coffins and the people who created them. Now, back to the story. For nearly a century, the National Museum of Scotland displayed the miniature coffins with no clear explanation about what they were or why they'd been made. Most people believed that the mystery of the tiny crypt would never be solved— until two researchers conducted an independent study in 1994. Samuel Menefee and Alan Simpson were visiting fellows at the School of Scottish Studies at the University of Edinburgh. They resolved to discover exactly when the coffins were created and when they'd been placed in the cave on Arthur's seat. A timeline could help them determine why they'd been made and buried. First, they determined that the coffins were made of Scots pine, which was abundant and easily accessible. 
So this didn't bring Menifee and Simpson any closer to determining who had made the coffins. They had more success when they examined how the caskets had been constructed. The maker had carved them with a knife, probably one with a hooked blade. A professional woodworker likely would have used an edged tool like a chisel, and the work would have looked flawless. But according to Menifee and Simpson, this carver had some trouble. In one instance, the knife broke clean through the base of a casket. This suggested a lack of expertise. In other words, whoever had fashioned the coffins was not an experienced carpenter. Menifee and Simpson also analyzed the tin on the casket's lids. They found similarities between it and the metal used for shoe buckles in the early 1800s. It was a unique alloy, which meant the coffin's maker probably had access to a large number of shoe buckles. It could have been a person with an affinity for footwear, but Menifee and Simpson thought another explanation was more likely. The creator must have been a cobbler. In the 19th century, shoemakers often used a rounded blade known as a moon knife. These curved implements could make the exact specific cuts Menifee and Simpson had identified earlier. Plus, a cobbler wouldn't have had much reason to study woodworking. This would explain the casket's shoddy craftsmanship. But it was less clear why the coffins were different from one another. Five had square corners, while the three others had rounded edges. It was unlikely that someone would change their carving style in the middle of a project, which meant the coffins were probably created by two different people, perhaps a cobbler and their assistant. The researchers couldn't determine much more than that from the caskets, so they turned their attention to the figures inside. Unlike the Scots pine coffins, the dolls were carved out of a close-grained white wood. Once again, this was a common material to the area and didn't reveal much about the coffin's makers. Based on their pose and weight distribution, the dolls seemed designed to wear hats. A small weight lay embedded on each figure's chest to help them stand up straight. Menifee and Simpson suspected the weight was supposed to be a model musket or some other kind of gun. Finally, their ankles and feet were darkened with fading black paint, possibly to resemble boots. In light of the boots, hat, and weaponry, it seemed clear that the coffin figures used to be toy soldiers. But this puzzled Menifee and Simpson. The burial was clearly intentional. Someone had removed some of the doll's arms to fit them inside the coffins, but their motives were still obscure. The researchers tried to determine when the coffins were interred in the hopes that this would illuminate new clues. Menifee and Simpson inspected the doll's clothes, hoping the fashion would help narrow down a timeline. Most of the fabric was made of cotton. In 19th century Scotland, cotton only came from one source, the Paisley Mill outside of Glasgow. And Paisley didn't begin producing cotton until 1812 which meant the dolls must have been made after that date. Some of the fabric was sewn with one or two-ply thread. However, one doll had three-ply thread, a material that didn't become popular in Scotland until 1830. 
Since the other figures had two-ply thread, they could have been buried before that day. But Menifee and Simpson didn't think so. They theorized that someone had hidden all the coffins at the same time in 1830, just six years before the Edinburgh schoolboys stumbled upon them. This was a big finding, the first time anyone had definitively determined how old the coffins and dolls were. In 1994, Menifee and Simpson triumphantly released their conclusions to the public. But other researchers were quick to point out a hole in their reasoning. The bottom row of coffins were more deteriorated than those above them. It seemed impossible that all the caskets could have been the same age. But the bottom of the cave could have been damp, meaning the coffins there would have been more decayed thanks to the increased mold and fungus growing there. So Menifee and Simpson stood by their conclusions. The coffins were probably created in 1830, and they were most likely carved by a shoemaker and his assistant. The dolls could have been toy soldiers that were altered to fit the caskets. But that was about it. They still didn't know why the shoemaker had built the coffins or buried the dolls. Once again, the mystery seemed like it would never be solved. That is, until 2014, when someone delivered a small box to the National Museum of Scotland. It had no return address. The museum's director of archaeology was reluctant to open the package, but eventually his curiosity won out. He sliced through the tape and folded back the box's flaps. Inside, he found a small wooden coffin. It looked identical to the ones from Arthur's seat. It even contained a small doll with wide-open eyes, dressed in cotton garments. And it came with a note. Someone had written the number 18 in Roman numerals and a question mark, as if to say, is this the 18th coffin? Beneath the number, the letter quoted a Robert Louis Stevenson short story called The Body Snatcher. Stevenson had based the tale on a series of murders from 1820s Scotland. The quotation seemed like a non sequitur, unless the coffins were connected to homicides as well. In fact, between 1827 and 1828, two to three years before the coffins were probably built and buried, a series of murders shook the city of Edinburgh. Two men committed the crimes, one of whom was a shoemaker. By the time of their arrest, they'd killed exactly 17 people. But the additional coffin suggested that maybe they had an undiscovered 18th victim. Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We'll be back next time with part two of Miniature Coffins of Arthur's Seat. For more information on the miniature coffins, amongst the many sources we used, we found the Smithsonian article, Edinburgh's Mysterious Miniature Coffins by Mike Dash, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries is a Spotify original from ParCast. 
Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Skatovich. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Alex Bernard, with writing assistance by Karis Allen and Angela Jorgensen. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlein, and research by Chelsea Wood. Unexplained Mysteries stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. Hi, I'm Shelby Scott, host of Mediums, a new Spotify original from Parcast. You can join me Wednesdays as I dive into the world of spiritualism and the women that defined it. We'll explore everything from obvious con artists to 150-year-old mysteries. It'll be a fascinating journey, so be sure to follow my new podcast, Mediums, free and only on Spotify. Spotify.